0: The following program contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences.
1: Everybody, this is your boy Jay, host of the Get Off My Lawn Podcast, and just wanted to bring you a quick note because it took a long time for the professor East Coast Dre and I to get our schedules worked out so that we could bring you this latest edition of the podcast. And we had so much to go over that the episode ended up running about mm, two hours and forty-five minutes. So since I couldn't drop podcast that long on everybody i'm going to break this up into two parts so what you are going to get right now is part one and then uh beginning of next week end of this week i'm going to drop part two then i've got a little bonus episode to drop at the end of next week and then following that the long awaited long anticipated battle log <laughs> ha ha but for now go ahead enjoy this episode Part one of two. Peace. One, two, one, two, one, two. I was sitting here grooving and uh, forgot I was supposed to start speaking. This your boy J, aka J C, aka J Caesar, aka Law T, aka the Hip Hop Taliban. Now, so you can find me on Twitter at Hip Hop Taliban. And it wouldn't really, really, really be a podcast. It wouldn't really, really, really be a show if I didn't have my two Mellows, my two mans. Professor Belk, where you at?
2: Peace, peace. This is Professor Belk, aka Dr. Belk, aka the People's Prof, aka the Mad Titan. You can find me on Twitter at abjrphd.
1: Ah, see, it's rubbing off. It's like cool, Keith. We got about fifteen aliases among us, but we also got the original alias, Black Cloud. Where you at? What's up?
0: This is uh, East Coast Dre, aka the Black Cloud, aka
1: it's late i'm tired i'm old i'm a man i'm a- over 40 aka where my timberlands in a waterfall <laughs> yeah he did that i did that oh wow. man yeah um, in, in montserrat no, no in jamaica <laughs> you have to you haven't seen that picture
2: No, I really haven't. But that's so New York. Go to my Instagram
0: at Andre Cole.
2: Oh yeah, (laughs) and scroll. And were you wearing a smaller pair of tims inside that larger (laughs) pair of (laughs) tims?
1: Oh man, that is uh, so New York. (laughs) It's good to be back. Uh, We had a few (laughs) technical setbacks that uh, put us off track time-wise. And uh, unfortunately, well, fortunate for him, unfortunate for this podcast, Uh, my son's on a leadership, uh, oh, now we're getting New York, shout out, Uptown, Uptown, let's take take this down a couple of notches here, hate, Uh, hate, 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 hate. yeah, wow, yeah, let me get some, uh, how about some 90 Wonder? slide go, that on. Go. go, 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 go. Alright. Now, as I was saying, yeah, my audio engineer, aka my 16-year-old son, is on a leadership uh, environmental hike camp trek through uh, some national parks in Colorado and uh, parts of Utah. And we'll be doing some service work on a Hopi reservation. So he is not around to uh, provide that technical troubleshooting expertise. But, uh, hey, we got it done. And that's what's important. But it has been a minute, more than a minute. And, you know, we're... We're 40 plus, we got things going on, family, work, and uh, it's hard to squeeze a podcast in here, so we have a lot to catch up on, and we are all set to go, we're all doing our, our homework for the battle log, which will be coming up next, in the next episode, but uh. Yeah, this this time we're just going to be running through all kinds of hip-hop happenings, things that we haven't commented on to this point, at least not uh, in a podcast setting. We've had text conversations, uh, there have been Twitter posts, there have been Facebook posts, but uh, until we kick things around here, I don't consider a conversation officially had. So um before we get all into that what's been going on since the last podcast a few months ago please tell me i didn't lose you too
2: oh, we here? here talking about okay. like going on with us or going on in the world of hip-hop
1: no 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 going on with you since uh what was the last one we did what were we talking about
2: oh man um since the last time we got down man um Oh, I've had, like, the beginning of a uh, time is cold-blooded going through my mind. My little darling graduated nursery school. My daughter graduated from uh, pre-K. Hey, there you go. Yeah, daughter graduated pre-K. She starts kindergarten and elementary school in August. You know, wow. my son's doing well. He's three and a half now and writing his name and doing a little rudimentary addition and subtraction and playing around on the abacus man you know sort of the little bulks are doing really well man and it's been it's been a wild wild ride watching them grow and develop into you know form personalities and traits and all that good stuff man Dang. so that's that's the best thing that's been going on and my wife still uh my wife still love me she ain't kicked me out yet so we good <laughs> that's
1: good that's good <laughs> I know somebody else Has somebody Who uh Graduated right
0: Drake Uh No well my daughter Is just finished Her first year of college oh, that's So
1: that's right. Yeah Wow Yeah, yeah wow. so that's, that's Crazy
0: awesome. Yeah that's crazy My daughter was, You know it's this weird You know especially Since we all know Each other from You know college And it's like You know my daughter Just finished Her first year And she of loves college. it and, you know, What'd you wow. say Of that's college nice. Wow Yeah and uh, you know my other daughters. You know, she's tomorrow's her last day of school of uh, third grade, so you know it's it's cool. So all all the young kids are growing up and
1: learning and you know,
2: they're with us, which is beautiful. Yeah. Teach the baby. Shout out to Doc Hill. Or Oh,
1: So yeah, let's see. Let's see. I have I've been writing stuff down because. <clears throat> I was going to try to jump up on here and squeeze out a couple of podcasts. And then, you know, life takes precedent and didn't happen. So I've got a list of things. So I'm trying to, I guess, we'll probably start, we'll probably jump around. But we're going to start with the oldest thing that happened seemingly right after we finished up the last episode within a couple of days, which is... That Childish Gambino, This is America video, which mm-hmm. everybody's seen. We all know, but... Whew. <laughs> I'm curious about this. How did you come to find out about it? Because it's not like... Yeah, I mean... Well, I'll tell how I found out about it, and then everybody else, you, you let me know. Because I... Uh, follow a feed on instagram that does features black artists and I woke up one morning and there were just all kinds of pictures of black dude with his shirt off and a gun and hashtag this is America I had no idea what they were talking about and uh, once I sought it out I was blown away like apparently 23 million other people who have viewed the video, but uh, how'd you all find out about it?
2: For me, it was was social media. It was uh, Twitter and Facebook, and this was leading into Glover's appearance on SNL because he was going to be both the host and the musical guest, right? So it's like SNL featuring Donald Glover and Childish Gambino, and there were a lot of people who found out that night that they're the same dude. Um, (laughs) So that's funny. But yeah like i watched that video maybe 10 times and each time i saw something different depending on whether i focused on what was happening in the foreground or the background yeah and so you're you're watching it as a visual but then you have to close your eyes and listen to what he's saying right um so it was a it was a stunning piece of work, and my first it crossed my wire first on on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, what about
0: you, Dre? Yeah. yeah, I was pretty much the same. I um, I know he was on SNL, and I usually don't watch SNL because it's usually very corny to me. And I was just up late. I was watching something else, and then I looked at Twitter, and people were talking about his performance. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll check out this performance. And then somebody in the industry had tweeted, yo, the video was crazy. And Mm -hmm. they tested a link. So I just clicked the YouTube and watched the video late that night. and was just like amazing thing. And I like watched it several times, like back to back because there was just so much to, um, so much to digest and, you know, he just killed it. One thing I can say about that song is that recently I was kind of upset recently because I hadn't heard the song on the radio, not on hip hop radio. Mm. Like, you know, Hot 97, uh, you know, I'm in New York, so Hot 97 and, you know, uh, 105. I hadn't heard it, but if I turned to the pop stations, I heard the song on the radio. And it wasn't until, I want to say the last week or the last two weeks, that I actually heard it on hip hop, like what was considered hip hop radio in New York. And I was like, what the hell is going on that we, we're we not supporting this song? This song? And, um, you know, I think recently because of all the recent political nonsense that, you know, the Orange Agent in the White House is doing, that they decided, you know, I guess maybe hip hop radio decided to fall online and, like, actually play the song.
1: Damn. That's wild.
2: <laughs> I'm disappointed.
1: Yeah, I'm. That's. I don't know if I'm more surprised that they weren't playing it or that you still listen to the regular terrestrial radio.
0: See, that's the other thing. Just to be fair, I also don't listen to Hot 97. Well, I listen to it more or 105 because I'm not a fan of mumble rap. So I can't right. really like stick around for long.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, there's something to be said about listening to hip-hop on the radio to try to get a sense of what's being put out there to different audiences, right? Um, Right. I'm on satellite radio now, and so I'll listen to the station formerly known as Backspin, so on occasion I'll listen to Rock the Bell's radio. I'll listen to Shea 45. I'll listen to, you know, the stations on um, satellite radio to play hip-hop. And I've heard it there. Right. But when you talk about commercial radio, people are responding to audiences. And so either people made a political decision out of fear not to play the track, or their audiences aren't asking for it. Yeah. I think it's more than that. It the was second. crazy. It's it was one of the like if twenty eighteen can end tomorrow. It's like the video in Signal of 2018 for hip hop. Yeah. yeah, I definitely and it might stay that way even as the rest of the year unfolds. Unfortunately.
1: But see, I, on one hand, I think that the song without the video doesn't hold as much appeal to me. Even when I hear the song without the video, my mind goes back to the video. When I watched his performance on uh, SNL, which I watched on, online after the fact, um, now I need the video. It's one of those things where I can't uh, divorce the images in the video and the song. And so the song in and of itself, I don't know where it fits in a commercial radio rotation.
2: Well, I think most of the listeners, though, like my introduction to the track came with the video. Right. So yeah. I will never be able to separate the lyrics from the images. And I think that's part of the point. I, I really suspect that for a lot of hip hoppers, their their first touch with This Is America came in the visual form. And it seems to me that might be what Glover intended, right? Because right. Like, there are certain lyrics that just hit harder because of the video so when he's like um this is Sally, that's a tool yeah and you think about how people have been gunned down or ended up in the fell clutch of circumstance because someone said that their cell phone looked like a gun and we think about what's happened since the record was released right like we've learned about the interaction between sterling brown who just finished his rookie year in the nba for the milwaukee bucks and the milwaukee pd And we've gotten more videos. In the latest video that was released, you see one of the police officers pulling his gun. This was for a guy that was double parked in a handicapped space at a drugstore at 2.30 in the morning. Cop calls for backup, six cars show up. They tased this young man who posed no threat to them and was complying, right? He's like, yo, just write me a ticket. I know I'm wrong, just write me a ticket and I can go. And one guy's calling in for overtime and singing to OJ's money, 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 money when his overtime is approved. And you see how all of a sudden their attitude changed when they realized who he was. Yeah. And then they kind of start changing things, right? This is this video is also coming after the young brother in Sacramento who was killed in his grandmother's backyard. Right. And mm-hmm. they brought in helicopters. You know, they bring in a ghetto bird because they got a, a call about somebody uh, breaking car windows,
1: mm-hmm.
2: so it's vandalism, and they come out with like you know the heavy the heavy stuff, yeah. And this dude gets killed in his grandmother's backyard holding a cell phone. Yeah, we think about we go all the way back, you know, New York, Amadou Diallo holding a wallet. Mm-hmm. And so when yep. Glover's like, that's a, you know, this is selling. He's like, that's a tool. Yeah, like you can't separate the line from the visuals in the video to what's happening all around us that probably influence that bar.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. I'm just saying that when I, if I didn't, if I were to listen to commercial radio, I don't see, you know, it's a song, but then again, they, they were pumping Stan by Eminem and that didn't really fit into any kind of traditional uh, you know commercial hip hop radio so yeah they're, you know, like, dealing with corporate radio and powers that be what will and will not be heard um, you know I guess the same same as it ever was I don't recall hearing you know Chuck D was talking about it years ago probably 30 years ago at this point that, uh, you know, Public Enemy got relegated to mix shows and college stations.
0: Yep, bring your noise. Yep.
1: But, I will say with that, this is America, that Donald Glover, man, is, <laughs> I mean, an artist, period. I mean, in, at least to this point, in the sort of great tradition of black artists because I, I was uh, flipping around the satellite station and there is a comedy channel where they just play stand-up comedians. I got in the car last night and flipped it on and Donald Glover's on there doing a set and it was funny. I'm like, damn, is this dude? What What can't <laughs> he do? Dancing, I mean, rapping, writing, directing. Like, damn.
2: You know, and this is, this is the part, right? Like this guy is supremely talented and well-educated he's a new york university graduate this is a guy that came from a solid middle class family goes to nyu blows up but he's making this kind of art right and that says something too right that when you when when people see these sort of critiques emerge from hip-hop they think it's coming from You know, hard scrabble, working class, lower income background. And here you have someone who has now become part of the American elite, right? Mm -hmm. But he's still like, this is something we all experience. So it could be the brother in Sacramento who's just trying to get by day to day and support his children. Or it could be a rookie in the NBA. Or it could be someone like Donald Glover. And at the end of the video, you see him terrified, running for his life like either trying to escape the sunken place or trying to escape actual harm on this plane of existence and for for many of us who have come from you know some some tough backgrounds like one of the things i like to say about black people in higher education who are professional administrators or faculty most of us are one generation away from the country of the hood and yeah. Even when you emerge from those circumstances and you've attained some level of success, you're one stop away from being a hashtag. Yeah. And we all know that. And that fear doesn't go away. Yeah, And so when you get a dude like this, who has attained everything that he has attained, and you look at what him and his team have done, right? Like they put out Atlanta. And people were mad because they were be like, wait, why we got to wait so long for a second season of Atlanta? Look at this summer's movie season. Zazie Beetz just rocked Deadpool 2. Donald Glover's in Solo. Um, my man Paperboy in Hotel Artemis. And Lakeith Stanfield about to come out with uh, Sorry to Bobby. Yeah. So they're all like working and grinding and putting out some amazing stuff. But then you still wonder how you might get caught up if you're in an alleged wrong place at the wrong time. Right. But that's America.
1: But see, that I, give America. Him, I give him some I guess extra credit because it it's kind of like when with this new newer generation of NBA athletes and really athletes across the board that he doesn't have to address these topics. He could just keep making big budget Hollywood movies and living the life. Um, LeBron didn't have to address the Eric Garner situation or any anything, a lot of these athletes. And so I give them a lot of credit because Kobe never said shit. Jordan never said anything because Republicans buy shoes too.
2: Yeah, the the, authentic- the authenticity of that comment has been debated, but your larger point stands. Like, I think there were a generation of athletes and entertainers that saw Dr. J. So as much as people talk about Jordan, before Jordan and even before Magic Johnson, it was Dr. J. Dr. J was the first big time black corporate pitchman. Mm. And people saw the amount of bread that you could make if you had the clean image. And this is before social media let a lot of people's skeletons out, right? Like some of the people who pulled this stuff off back in the day wouldn't be able to pull it off now because their skeletons would be out doing like the Jackson 5 (laughs) reunion dance, right? But it was Dr. J. Then it was Magic Johnson. Then it was Jordan. And the attitude was if you just kind of stay above the fray and stay out of the scrum, you can be the corporate pitch man. You know, a matter of fact, I'm skipping somebody important. OJ.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, Dr. J, OJ, Magic Johnson, Jordan, that was the model that they followed. But OJ wasn't didn't... black. Yeah, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Right. Um, you know, like like Howard, Howard Bryant, who writes for the Washington Post and appears on ESPN, he just released a book called The Heritage. And it's about that sense of obligation that comes when you're a black athlete and a prominent black athlete who's in a position to do something to raise awareness and to bring resources to the the issues that ail underrepresented and downtrodden communities, you know it's the fight that Bill Russell made, right? That Althea Gibson made, that Jim Brown made. And then you had that generation of athletes who were shaped not by those people, but by Dr. J and O.J. and Jordan and those others, and they went corporate. Then 2012 happens. February 2012, NBA All-Star Weekend, Trayvon Martin is killed by George Zimmerman. And that hit LeBron deep, right? Because Martin was a Miami kid, he was a Heat fan, and he couldn't be silent about that. And what's stunning is that Trayvon Martin hit him deep, but then when the Tamir Rice case happened, and it was in Cleveland, his own backyard, he said he didn't know as much about it and it was puzzling that he wouldn't know about that case considering that it happened in cleveland but when lebron got out there like that i think other people found their courage because it's like yo if the most prominent athlete in this league can do it and he's not afraid maybe we shouldn't be afraid either
1: yeah i mean and you especially you know goes back to kaepernick when uh when that whole controversy arose with him in the preseason, I wrote an article looking at looking at him and basically explaining that if you want to take whoever you want to take, uh Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Yeah. Blackballed right on out of the league. If you're able to perform and still present some type of monetary value. Then he he would have stuck around, but to take the stance that he took, speak the way he was speaking, it was sort of inevitable that you know what was going to happen to him. And on one hand, it was a it was clearly the NFL owners conspired to keep him out of the league which obviously but on the other hand there's a lawsuit
2: that is trying to prove that
1: yeah i i doubt that'll be proved unless there's some smoking gun memo but the work he's doing in the community his is outstanding and had it not been for the controversy that arose the conspiracy against him to get him out of the league who knows if he would still be engaged to this extent in this activism. And and he has the, the added bonus of not getting his brain scrambled. But right. I just think that there's a, a generation of athletes that now, whether it was, you know, whether you can say LeBron sparked it or, you know, they saw what happened to Kaepernick. I don't know what exactly the the difference is, what's that switch, but I appreciate the, the fact that they're saying something. Because, well, like I said, and, and, Kobe's nothing.
2: Well, and I look at the Kaepernick case, right? Like, at the time that all of this happened, he was performing at the level of an average quarterback, right? Like, Right, He, that's that's what he was at that point, but still as a guy who was about 28 years old, still had time to develop, to to be a starter, right? He had time to be a starter. And then he could have had some years holding a clipboard as a reliable number two backup quarterback on a contending team,
1: right? Yeah.
2: What's happened since is that he's been elevated into an icon. Like, people are going to talk about him forever. Yep. His unit, you know, he has an exhibit. There's an exhibit about him at the National Museum of African American History and Culture at the District of Columbia. If people wanted to know what it was like in the 60s to watch the, the brothers in Mexico City, yeah. if they wanted to know what it was like to watch Ali come back after his position on the Vietnam War, this is it. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm you know, this is it. Like the response to his activism, and mind you, he wasn't demanding anything radical. It was get better people into law enforcement, give them better, more substantial training. Because someone with a curling iron has more training than someone holding a gun. And when they do something that violates their oath and the public trust, there needs to be a more reliable mechanism to hold them accountable and get them out of law enforcement. It's not radical. And so, yeah, Um, I think I look at LeBron, I look at Kaepernick, I look at the WNBA players because really before Kaepernick happened in that season in the NFL, that summer it was the WNBA players and, and specifically the Minnesota Lynx, the Indiana Fever, they were, they were like, yo, we're not fielding any questions about the game. We want to talk about this issue. And so there is a there is a history in this country of athletes and in particular black athletes and athletes of color using their position to talk about the sort of things that donald glover raised in that this is america track and in the video um and for the the younger listeners what they're seeing now used to be more commonplace in sports and in hip-hop
1: yeah well it's definitely i mean it it, it was always interesting to me you know growing up in the household i grew up in like i knew about muhammad ali before he was fully embraced which which was the the craziest thing is how <laughs> how beloved he was but then if you go back and check i mean he was he was hated hated right. but i mean he came back and he won that was that was uh, of significance because if he would come back and he would gotten beaten up, knocked out a couple times, then who knows what what would have happened.
2: Yeah, but. but but this is the thing, right? Like Ali, Ali being an icon. His last fight was in nineteen eighty one. Yeah, I never saw him fight. Like I never watched an Ali fight live, but I knew he was important. I never saw Jim Brown carry the football, but I knew he was important. Yeah. And I knew they were important because of what they did Away from the ring Away from the gridiron Away from the court That's the way the people are going to talk about Kaepernick Yeah And so I think it's important that you have people In different lanes All trying to draw our attention to Really important issues that are yet unresolved Because there are still people Who are being beaten and murdered And people are still working in law enforcement that shouldn't
1: Right let me let me get see what's on the list let's see this is America Atlanta that that season was fantastic um here's just one that I'm gonna throw out here uh maybe it was last year it was a while back but um I told the story about going to a most deaf concert and it was the worst hip-hop show <laughs> I'd ever seen in my life it was horrible he really <laughs> owed about Uh, (laughs) a thousand people their money back all of it with interest but he was cool and signed uh, my print so I can't be all the way mad at him the performance was still the worst I'd ever seen but anyway I made a point to go to that show because he made a big deal about how he was retiring from the game he was done he was hanging hanging him up baby it was all over um then I hadn't really thought about it, other than the fact that after he did that horrendous LA performance, he went to the Apollo and tore it down and brought out Kuali and Pharrell Manch and was rapping like most deaf, not Yassin Bey, dancing on the stage with balloons. But, <laughs> come to find out, this past weekend, he was out here in Long Beach, he's on tour with The Roots and Erykah Badu on the Smoking Grooves Tour. Um, and then I believe a day or so later, he was doing another solo show out here. My question to Black Cloud is the fuck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, why is that question to me?
1: Because I, I know you have because earlier you said, oh, I learned about I learned about uh, this in America because the industry insider tipped me off.
0: Well, I mean, the only tip I had about most possibly performing was a friend of mine who knows him was taking pictures with him and put him on Instagram and they were in L.A. And I was like, I I saw most happen to have his mic in his hand in one of them. And I was like, why does most have his mic? And then Mm -hmm. I know that he's preparing. He's going to perform with Kwali at the Brooklyn uh, Hip Hop Festival so I was like oh maybe he's doing some gear up shows or whatever and then you sent me I think you sent me a message saying yo you know I know who saw him in concert and I was like that they were doing a concert and yeah and then I saw more pictures of that concert but you know he maybe he changed his mind maybe and I think now is the time for somebody like Yasin Bey to, to make records and you know they said that they're actually gonna make that Black Star album and now, without the constraints of having to have 10 songs on the album, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, from what I heard, they could probably drop the damn album tomorrow if they wanted to. But I'm sure they're going to update their lyrics and update it to what the current day, you know, politics and what have you. But, you know, I, I guess he changed his mind. I guess, you know, something, something maybe something might have fed his, uh, his artistic spirit.
2: No, easy, yeah easy. a lot can change man a lot can change that can tug at you right um and you also look at it from this perspective too what else are you going to do where you're going to make this kind of bread right. where right. you can support yourself up to the way that you've become accustomed and or to damn kids. the obligations that you have Word. right because brother has like six kids mm. so uh, yeah <laughs> and depending on ages and where they go to school and looking at college and all this other kind of stuff. um,
1: They're Like, you better pick up that mic. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> exactly. man. Like, like I was, you know, I was uh, fooling it. around on social
2: media um, a couple of weeks ago. And you remember Bombs Over Baghdad when you man Big Boy was like, got a son on the way by the name of Bamboo. That yeah. kid just graduated high school. Yeah. He was talking about the baby was on the way. That child has graduated high school. And so if you're a hip hopper of a certain age mid 40s yeah you might have a child in college or on the way to college or in high school and needing this and what else are you going to do well you're going to make that kind of bread
1: yeah damn you know, going so, to...
2: yeah a lot of things can compel you to perform when you don't necessarily want to and it could be the love of the 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 music or it could be something else so you want to go to you graduate could, school you could... damn better make an ep <laughs>
0: JC, right you can, now you can see him perform. Maybe, maybe he'll rock the house. He'll kill it.
1: Um, no balloons. No, I got Sam's burned. Balloons. I got burned by him. So unless, unless it's most deaf, it, I'll tell you another time. Black Star burned me. They were supposed to show up at Rock the Bells uh, a few years back, and that was part of the whole thing. Like Rock the uh, Black Star. You haven't seen them in years. They haven't performed in years. They're gonna be here. Rock the Bells. I bought tickets. Expensive went out there, stood in the heat, turns out, most deaf something, something happened, and he was really late. And so since they were on a schedule, by the time he arrived, they didn't have time to perform their actual set. So they didn't even perform. They came out, said hi, did a little freestyle, and then left. So I went on Twitter and was complaining. And Quali said some bullshit like, we don't owe you anything. What <laughs> the fuck? Mm-hmm. First of all, yeah, see. I bought that ticket specifically because it was advertised as Black Star Reunion. And I'd never seen him perform to get, well, hadn't seen him in years to that point. I said, you got some goddamn nerve, Quali." And I think that's part of, aside from the fact that I'm, you know, look past you rhyming off the beat. far too often more often than i should that started that was early in my twitter adventures and i remember having a i was like damn how did i end up in this position where i'm beefing with a rapper i actually like so
2: yeah that's wild um but it's also funny to me because i'm at a point in life where i'm not trying to go to too many hip-hop shows see For for a wide variety of reasons, like, you know, when we started the podcast, you know, this podcast, my man Dre was like, yeah, I'm late. I'm old. I'm tired. No aliases. (laughs) Like, like we were in Vegas. We were in Vegas a couple of years ago. And one of the things that I had wanted to see from hip hop had finally happened because I'm like, yo, when are our hip hop pioneers going to get Vegas shows? like regular Vegas shows. Like I was like, I want to be able to see Big Daddy Kane or Rock Kim doing a regular set in Vegas like Dean Martin or something, right? Well, Big Boy had a Vegas show and he was performing we were there and we were going to get tickets. And then I said to my wife, um, yo, do we really want to stand up all night? And she was like, nah. And so we didn't go.
0: You're crazy. Well, so
2: you do, man. I'm, I'm that guy now, like. If I can't be seated and chilling and having service, and I'm not doing that, man. I think got old and bougie.
1: Yo, you you and West Coast Dre. So, Diggable Planets had a show out here. And I brought it up to him. I was like, hey, Diggable Planets, the last one was dope and you missed it because of work. What about this time? And he was like, all right, what are the tickets looking like? So, I looked up the ticket prices. I said, so it's uh, like 35 he was like first of all he's like I want the most expensive seats I want to be sitting yep. down I want to be as comfortable as humanly possible I said yep damn <laughs> and he was serious
2: <laughs> he was Dude, like "Dude, <laughs> we saw Prince in 2011 at the then <laughs> Time Warner Cable Arena in Charlotte and I'm like yeah I want a ticket expensive enough where I don't have to be with the raff, where I can relax and enjoy the show wow and that was Whoops. what we did man one of the outcomes <laughs> of this whole festival era that everybody's
0: doing festivals is that I don't go to shows anymore because I'm not trying to stand in dirt and sand and and grass and around sweaty people Yo. for hours on, and under and under the sun. Like, I, why do I need to
2: stand around sweaty people under the sun? To nah, Remember nah. when we went to the, um, the Smoking Groves '96 at the uh, Cayuga County Fairgrounds in New York? it would it rained like all beforehand right and so rather than go out into the field we posted up in the bleachers and we had a better experience because we had this fantastic view of the entire stage without having to be down in the dirt and in the mud with the with the elements. is is
1: that where is that what we're arguing now that it's that it's best to be in the bleachers at a hip hop show. I don't even consider it no. a real hip hop show. Up we want to be we want to be
2: close and comfortable. But if there's no alternative, we will not be there <laughs> right. at all. That's right. exactly wow. Because exactly. because these days you can watch it on a stream. You all right. right.
1: You're not all right.
0: <laughs> you Listen, got it, man. I I saw Big Daddy Kane perform songs at his birthday party this year on a whim in some little small place in Manhattan. I didn't really want to go. It was like, oh, it's his birthday party. I'm like, all right, whatever, I'm gonna go. And it was a bunch of old folks in there, older than me. And Kane came in and Kane performed with Bismarck. Oh, shit. Like it, nice. Like it was like 89 and they performed. Nice. And, and they killed it. And they, I was just like, yeah, I could do this. And I, you know, I was chilling. Were you sitting in a chair? <laughs> No, I was standing up. I was was standing up, but then my chair was right there. Just in
2: in case.
1: You're right. Just in case you got (laughs) (laughs) tired. Just in case my
2: knee starts acting up. Oh my
1: God.
2: (laughs) Dude, man. Yo, you you in the open. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yo, I'm not gonna be standing up for three hours at a hip hop show. Or waiting four hours for Lauren Hill to show up, oh. being mad because Ty Lib only did one song and threw a drink in the crowd. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, it these are the lessons it. you learn from your 20s, your yeah. 30s. Like, yeah, see, I'm not getting caught out there like that. Yeah, it gotta be wow. worth it. So I gotta be somewhere nice. Damn. <laughs> yeah. the, last
1: hit, the last last hip hop show I went to was KRS <clears> One, <throat> and Slick Rick was there putting in a half-ass effort. I, he needs to stop. If he can't do any better than what he's doing, he needs to stop. Um, but KRS-One, granted, I didn't push my way down to the front of the stage to be jumping around when he, you know, dropped MCs act like they don't know. But the you only get that energy if you're close to it. I couldn't imagine sitting in a seat, and he drops that beat, and I'm just sitting there in my chair. Really? Nah.
2: It's like it's like when we were at CBT, and um, Layla Hathaway's DJ was warming up the crowd and playing all the old school joints. you yeah, oh, jump can. up, yeah. And can. you hit your dance, and then when she get to her mellow section, you know, you sit
1: down and relax. I don't go to R and B concerts, so I don't know what the protocol is. But at a hip hop <laughs> show, need,
2: that's part of your that's part of your romantic problem if you're not going to R and B concerts, man. Listen, I'm just saying if I go to a hip
0: hop concert and I'm and like I have to be enthused enough to party and rock with the crowd. If I know I'm not going to be, then like if I know I'm to be just upset that it's the sun and it's hot and i'm listening to like 15 mumble rappers before the person i want to hear come out
2: that I'm, I'm gonna stay my ass at home and dude this is the this is the other part of it right so part of it is age and just kind of aging out of certain type of shows right a certain type of show experiences the yeah. other part is yo look at the three of us we came up in new york and la at a time we got to see some of the dopest live hip-hop shows ever and then we went to college at syracuse right where everyone came to syracuse right right and our parties just forget concerts forget greek freak and all that stuff right block party whatever our parties were legendary like i went i i I hung out in new york i hung out in vegas i hung out in dc and other places the college parties are still the best parties i've ever been to And so when you get to kick it with folks like that and you go to shows with them, it's a completely different experience, right? And so there's so much now that just can't come up to that standard where you're like, yeah. So the last show I went to, the last hip hop show I went to, The Roots played Charlotte. And this was after the, um, I wanna say the Rising Down album. And so The Roots Play Charlotte and it was a dope show but I really did get tired of standing up and the crowd was whack. Mm. Like, because I saw the Roots at the 930 Club. I saw the in the 930 Club in D.C. Saw them at Block Party at Syracuse and, no matter, it was Autumn Street Festival at Syracuse. And it was always dope because their energy was high and the crowd gave them something. The crowd here was kind of whole hum and I'm like, hmm. So yeah, I'm... I you might be you might be able to get me to come out for certain people. But for other people, it's like, nah, I'll pass. Yeah. Wow. I want to see the I want to see the roots when he did
0: the when uh Thought did the ten minute uh freestyle. And well, oh that's yeah. the thing. And that, that may explain it because like our level of you know, expectation is different. Like we wanna have that feeling of Wu Tang in ninety three in Syracuse. Right. But that's why James goes to the to the to the concerts and is disappointed. Right.
2: Because you go and you just be like, this is trash. <laughs> we had Tribe at Block Party. Oh yeah. Black Sheep at Block Party. The whole Wu-Tang clan at Greek Freak with Biz Markie and Dougie Fresh on opposite sides of the stage, beatboxing beat while other dudes were freestyling. Mm-hmm even fat joe and big pun rock greek freak when it was in the shine like diggable planets played the cues we had so many dope acts that came through we were spoiled like we we had people coming through in their prime or at the very beginning of their ascent and that creates a standard right You know, let's talk about when you talk about consuming any type of medium. you're talking about music, you're talking about film, you're talking about literature. If you came up on the good stuff and then somebody chucks something at you that's beneath that, you're like, yo, this is whack. But that's not
1: what I'm talking about. Because you have
2: perspective.
1: See, I'm not talking about some new group like, oh, I went to go see Nick Grant and I was like, eh, that wasn't. But I'm talking about, let's say. Redman has a show where he's going to perform his first two albums. I mean, you're telling me Redman, live in concert, what, the album? And you are going to just be sitting there in the balcony in your seat talking about bravo, bravo. (laughs) (laughs) No,
2: I'll get up. And then when that set is done, I'm sitting right back down.
0: (sighs) No, if I if I were to a red man show, I, I expect to be standing up. But also, if I go to a red man show, I have to be close.
1: Yeah, you got yeah, to be, be close.
2: I got to be close. I got to be in the thick of it. I got to be Tip. close. Tip. But yeah. see, but James also wants a certain type. You don't just want a certain type of energy from us as audience goers. You want a certain type of energy from the 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 performer. performer yeah. So let me ask you this: If if you were at a concert, do you want to see Rod Stewart right now performing? If you think I'm sexy.
1: Rod Stewart. I would <laughs> you never, never go to, to a to Rod Stewart sex.
2: show. Rod Stewart is 73. You still want him doing that? I, I don't want to see a Rod Stewart. Concert I would ever. Ever. never go to That's a Rod Stewart show. Dude, <laughs> dude, you want Lionel Richie out here to talk about Brick House?
1: Yeah. <laughs> what? If I go to a Commodore show? Yeah, hell yeah.
2: But dude, like I'm just yeah. saying, like, these dudes are in their 70s, pushing 80. And you want them to do songs that they did fifty years ago I'm t- I'm with the energy of a twenty-year-old? I do.
1: If I go I see do. if I go see Redman perform, yeah, I expect something. If I KRS is still the livest show performer mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I have been to, like even mm-hmm. I don't know, he's got to be like twenty years older than he's got to be pushing sixty, and. Well he told you he'd do that though. <laughs> I mean and he's doing it. Like those shows, I'll go see him hey, wherever. But if there are chairs, I'm not going. That's my Did you see
2: Kerris one told you he would be ripping the microphone until he was mother F and sixty? Yeah and well, fifty two. Did you see the
0: the MTV rap show? It was a stream. Did you see it?
1: I saw bits and pieces of it.
0: Okay, because KRS closed that out and killed it. It was really? him. Yeah, it was him, uh, Fat Joe, and Freddie Fox were
1: his hype men. Ooh. Wow. I'm telling yeah, you, that wow. was crazy. When you get those old school MCs who actually had to MC and like rock the party and freestyle and be versatile, they didn't just come out and perform their radio hits like it was Summer Jam. Those individuals, I expect a lot more from.
2: But you know what, though, too? I also think like, like, like I remember um, I was watching NBA TV one night and they had this segment where they followed Grant Hill Mm -hmm. and Grant Hill at the time was like maybe 36, 37 years old. He's playing for the Phoenix Suns and they went through his routine to be able to practice. He showed up hours ahead of the game and before everyone else. Right. To be able to get treatment, to get ready to play. And then after practice, he had to stay hours after everyone left to get treatment to recover. So he had to put his body through this grueling set of workouts and stretches to be able to play and then through a similar type of thing to be able to recover. Right. And so you see the performance. But Grant Hill at 37 is not giving you 40, 45 minutes and 20, 10 and five. You know, he's playing in spurts, it's greatness in spurts, right? And so even when you look at somebody like KRS rocking a mic at 52, I imagine there's a lot of preparation that has to go into getting ready to do live shows. And there's also a recovery mechanism. And that's for the people who approach it like that regiment. Other dudes might just show up and, you know, walk off the street like Allen Iverson with the big three league and think they're going just, you know, put on some sneakers and play <laughs> right? and they're not ready and that's what you see too. And so the, the quality of the performance is going to vary by the person's approach but that approach has to take an age. When I think about my work as a professor, when when my son was born, my schedule got changed and I had to teach four classes on two days, right? So Tuesdays, Thursdays, I'm teaching four classes. I had class at 930 12 30 2 o'clock and 3 30 and by the time i got to that 3 30 i felt it because i was doing three classes back to back to back and i felt it and there were days man where i felt like i was going to pass out but my students didn't know but yet i had to recover after that man like i was no good after that i was shot
1: i mean it's not like i'm asking an MC to do a back-to-back, but that's not even the thing because I saw Big Daddy Kane performing out in San Bernardino in the summer. It was clearly easily 98 degrees plus. He's out there dancing, rhyming, had scoop and scrap lover with him, even did the thing where they like, one dude jumps over the other one. Big daddy but Kane and KRS down. are
2: those dudes that put that preparation in. Like, right. Kane is legendary for his right. meticulousness about performing, especially live performance.
1: So if they put in that work, if they're giving me that kind of performance, the least I can do is stand up and reciprocate that energy. Call and respond, not call and I'm sitting in my chair sipping on an orange Julius. Come on now. Get up. <laughs> You in the, What are you in the gym for if you can't stand up and pay respect to Big Daddy Kane at a show? Come on, man.
2: I'm in the gym so I can get out of here with my children when they got to go to karate.
1: Oh, man.
2: <laughs> Different stage in life, bro. Like, I'm not giving that kind of energy to go to a show. And the other thing, too, you know, when, when the hip-hop shows are involved, you never know who's going to show up and what type of static about to happen. And it's like, listen, man. My days of running in shootouts <laughs> are long gone.
1: Oh, man. Nobody's getting shot at a Big Daddy Kane concert. They might have a heart attack and need a life alert <laughs> assistant. No, but come on. I'm not telling you to go to Amigos show. All right. Uh, wow. See, uh, again, this is interesting because it, it points out to me that I am clearly the outlier in this thing. And because when Dre told me about how he only wanted to go to the diggable Planet show if he could be as comfortable as humanly possible, I looked at him sideways. But uh, clearly, I'm the one who's out of step. Dude,
2: you know? it's like this, man. The best way I can maybe help you to understand it when when I was growing up, like I never went to Madison Square Garden for a Knicks game, even though I was the biggest fan, right? Like going to games was just not something that my parents were into you know like live sporting events right so as a grad student at the university of maryland we would get ten dollar tickets to go see the wizards play you know they were the, you know the wizards or the the Bullets, then the wizards we get ten dollar tickets to go see them play and we're sitting in the nosebleed but i'm just happy to be in the arena yeah because it was something i didn't have that i wanted so I'm just happy to be there, right? Then I started dating my wife and she's working in the industry. We went, she was like, listen, I'm, I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be working here because you know our relationship is evolving and I'll probably move. Come out to the all-star game. I went out to the all-star game at Phoenix. I stayed with her in the hotel. So we're at the Ritz-Carlton. I'm sitting one row in front of Jackie McMullen and her son. I can see Jesse Jackson and Spike Lee on the other side of the aisle. Then, years later, Syracuse makes the Final Four in 2013. It's in Atlanta. Turner's now broadcasting the NCAA tournament. My wife's homegirl still works at the company. She got us. In the arena, but not just in the arena. We're in a suite overlooking the 50-yard line center court. We're chilling with Craig Sager in the luxury box where it's they busy. bring out food. They bring you're not paying for anything, right? They bring out drink. They bring out food. There's there, there's always more, and it's like, yeah. Um, let put your mama on the phone. Um, listen. Um, I ain't never coming home again. Take it easy. Like, you once you a, have you that experience, fest, you can't, can't like, go back. <laughs> you can't go back. Like, once you've seen a show like that, you can't go back to the way it was before. It's like, yo, this is beneath me now.
1: Well, that was an interesting, bougie little tale. But it's no excuse for you not getting <laughs> off your ass when Red Man comes <laughs> and drops I will. some classics.
2: Get off. in my, in my my I will. In my luxury suite, oh, eating fresh
1: man. fruit. <laughs> up there with the plutocrats (laughs) wow well
2: okay I still have some uh, plebe tendencies like I said but now I've acquired bourgeois sentimentalities and patrician tastes
1: I mean I'm not trying to be down in the front necessarily but
2: now you gonna catch a boot from somebody in a mosh pit
1: nah I'll be alright I've got my my technique down and everything. And then being tall, I get my rebound technique. See, when they throw stuff out into the crowd, whether it be water bottles, whether it be Karis one, I have a couple uh, signed, he was signing tennis balls and throwing them out. If it's a shirt, whatever it is, here's the thing. Just like a rebound, when you grab it, you keep it up. Don't bring it down, because when you bring it down, that's when you get stripped. So when you catch whatever it is, st- keep it up high, get your grip. Then you bring it down and you might have to throw some lame beer elbows, but that's uh, just a I'm See, me
2: and, me, and, me and East Coast Dre not going to be in the mosh pit fighting kids that were old enough to be their dad for a concert t-shirt. Yeah. Because hey, no. you know. I, I, I whooped my
1: ass. <laughs>
2: right. I'm
1: just saying. Old man strength is real. Me and, uh, me and West Coast Dre before it was his wife we went to this uh a black sheep show and she she uh i had to pull her away from a fight (laughs) so you know it was real if you didn't come out of the show sweaty and wet was it really a show were you really there but
2: let me see you talk about like the 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 possibility of fights right like if I get into a fight at the hip-hop show now, I'm in the newspaper, B.
1: I mean, nobody's getting it. Nobody's—we're not getting into a fight. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, you never know. Well— <laughs> I you, can't be in a newspaper for some foolishness know. like that.
1: You kind of know. But that's okay. <laughs> when I'm at the Big Daddy Kane show, I'll I'll look up and, and wave to you in your luxury box as you look down on me. But, all right. So, all right. Okay. Here's another topic that uh, reared its head while we were uh, bouncing around. The whole Pusha T Drake situation, Mm -hmm. which apparently uh, died out as quickly as it blew up. Um, We had this conversation about it, and at this point, anybody who's listening to this is most likely aware and knows all the ins and outs. But I will just say that, first of all, Pusha T, I was like... Because it came across, I don't know, maybe during one of my Twitter check-ins or Instagram or something. Somehow it came up. And I was like, Pusha T from the clips? I was like, Mm -hmm. that can't be the same, dude. Because that was was a long time ago. The clips? Pusha T? Neptunes? What? And apparently, I guess, lo and behold, it is. And his first, the first song, Infrared, was too was nothing that would have ever crossed my radar. And even when it came out and I went back and listened to it, it was too, it had to do with things I didn't care about and people I didn't care about. So I didn't catch whatever he was talking about, but people said it was a diss. And apparently Drake understood it was a diss and Drake responded. And Drake's responses, I will give him credit, not only for just the responses, which are always very good, but then he does the little extra credit, like send Pusha T the invoice <laughs> for career revival or some nonsense, but he sent him an actual invoice, and it's when you add in a prop, just to put the exclamation point and underline your diss, I love it
2: but yeah but then he did like the lamest thing in a hip-hop beef ever when he had to re- put out a press release about the rumors of a son so whatever extra credit you want to give him for sending an invoice for a service is rendered is eviscerated by having to release a press release in the middle of a hip-hop beef
1: well yeah. <laughs> better a press that's release like than, that's uh, like when, when people support. get in a
2: street fight and start talking about okay okay no hitting above the neck <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's not something you do.
1: But the thing that's funny, though, is the the genius move in this is that, and one thing, something I didn't see coming, but it, it makes sense, is that Pusha T clearly anticipated a response and had his response to the response ready, mm-hmm. which that's, I like that. I like that. I like that strategy. And... uh It was deeply personal, (laughs) too deeply personal to make me think, oh, I just I just came up with this over the weekend. No, 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 no. no. You had that ready and waiting and Drake walked right into your trap and then you (laughs) let it loose on him. Somebody
2: on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, so I I can't offer attribution, but somebody on Twitter was like, yeah, um, Drake came out with a few funny jokes and some funny lines. Pusha came back with investigative journalism
1: right <clears throat> yeah
2: pusher wins dude yep. but I, I can't believe pusher hasn't been on your radar jimmy i mean what's going on man like yeah he's yeah. he's had a steady stream of fire long after them clips albums man like like yeah. pusher t's one of those dudes like you know we oftentimes critique jay for still talking about the the dope boy life that he's no longer living um, Pusha T's made a career off talking that life, and it still sounds crazy dope. <laughs> yeah, he had he had some really good songs on like his last
0: two albums. His last
1: that I really, two albums.
0: like. Wow. yeah, he had like King Push, Numbers on the Boards, the song with Kendrick, uh, Nostalgia. Like he had, yeah, joints. Nostalgia
2: was fire. He had joints on those. Like albums. his appearance on um um, what's the track with with Yay Yay and a uh, Ghost uh oh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the track right now hold I gotta yeah. look it up <laughs> I gotta look it up because it's criminal that I'm drawing a blank on the name of that track right now new God flow uh, yeah new God flow he was the he was the lead off one at it he snapped. I believe there's a God above me. I'm just the God of everything else. Put holes in everything else. New God flows at everything else. (laughs) Supreme dope dealer. (laughs) Writing in bold letters. They love it. The spirit like pocket the coach. Jella, your man being pushed. Push Ben had bars. And there has been no letdown in the quality of his work. And what's happening now is that there are a whole bunch of kids that don't know Pusha T even from the clips who are like, who is this dude? And why haven't I been told? It's like they're discovering Bruce Lee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go back and check his catalog because what happened is, like, I remembered him from the clips, but I, I I knew them as the clips. And then I guess his brother got out the game and he kept going. And so I didn't really... You know, I wasn't following him. And then I would see the name come up, but I just never connected the dots that that was the same dude from the clips. So I thought it was somebody new, and I couldn't really be delving into new rap, new gangster rap beef or whatever it was. So, all right, I'll go back on, on your recommendation. I will go back and check that, and I still... I am not happy that Jay Prince uh, put this put this beef uh to rest before Drake got to come back hopefully at Kanye and uh but well, well before
2: we before we hit on Jay Prince squashing the beef let me say this though if you're Drake you don't get into a scrap with a dude who still rocks box breaks. Like, nah, you're not beefing with that dude. You're not fighting that dude. You're not arguing with that dude. You're not beefing with that dude because he's he ready to throw.
1: I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. I think, uh, clearly, Drake didn't anticipate the uh, <laughs> the intensely personal nature of the response to the response. But, uh, you know, hey.
0: And... <laughs> and I mean from what I hear Drake recorded a response and I have a feeling that the response went more at Kanye which is actually the sucker move because you know you now you're, you're throwing blows at the person in the front row mm-hmm. while, you're sit, while you're in the boxing ring well no get, it's like a, get, when Ronald get, Tess ran up in the, in the stands and hit the wrong dude right? <laughs> right hey. right because like, well, you know you get hit with haymakers and you like no but that guy over there is calling me a bum guess what? you you getting hit right now fam so you better you know tighten up your defense or you start swinging and so I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why Jay Prince killed it because you know you know you're affected he's affected but, the money right now
1: well, yeah you gotta yeah, protect your artists that's the thing the money but it, to me the it money. was like when uh when Clever Lang told Apollo to stay out my face and out my corner that's right you want have been messing around in my corner
0: what a,
1: what know, a real man right (laughs) better get real cold at night
2: Uh. (laughs) I'm the champ <laughs> my prediction for the fight pain that's <laughs> right <laughs> that's my prediction for the beef
1: pain oh man <laughs> yeah but
2: you know i mean he he clearly ended up with a with a foil who was not on the order of meek mill right like the thing that hurt meek right. mill in the beef with Drake was that he was too slow to respond and Drake just buried him right yeah um he had a more worthy adversary here and you know he got touched. And people respond differently when they get hit, right? Like like Iron Mike seemed invincible and when he got into the ring with somebody who was ready for him and he had slacked in his preparation, he ended up in a fight. Yeah, And yeah. he was never the same after that. Um, You know, Drake, Drake was somebody I ignored for a long time until the Meek Mill beef and it was like, wait a minute, this dude really has bars. And I started paying attention to him and I'm like, yo, um, dude can really flow. But I mean, he hadn't been t- tested as a battle rapper by a worthy opponent where there was real risk of of hip-hop
1: harm yeah i mean he really (laughs) 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 has asterisk
2: well no but, but like if you think about other people like like and this is the funny thing i remember when drake was beefing with comet and part of the beef was that they were too much alike like Big Daddy Kane was sort of like there were other people who fashioned themselves as ladies men in hip-hop but Big Daddy Kane really was like yo I'm the Barry White of hip-hop and he alienated a lot of his fans from like those first couple of albums but he Drake is what Big Daddy Kane was trying to be in the 80s and early 90s when people weren't ready for it and you could draw a line from Big Daddy Kane to Heavy D to Common to now Drake. Mm,
1: but I've the difference
2: you... was Big Daddy Kane had established himself as a ferocious MC and a battle rapper who All also right. could switch it up and make music for the ladies, right? That's what LL was doing. He established himself as a battle rapper, but then started making music for the ladies because the guys running the business understood that women were major consumers of hip-hop. And so they started catering to that audience, right? differences. difference is drake came out the other way first then showed these battle rapper tendencies but at his core that's not really who he is
1: yeah i've heard you on the straight line from common to drake and big daddy kane and all that i've heard that but drake's not in that conversation with common big daddy big daddy kane and drake what huh who what
2: no no no, this is where you got to look beyond your haterade, man. Like this dude, there's a reason this dude's like the number one artist on Spotify, like the number one artist on Apple Music and all this other stuff. Like he's been in the game now for well over a decade and has had a steady string of bangers. And he's he's a chameleon, man. There's There's Toronto Drake. There's Houston Drake. There's Conquito Poppy, There's Champagne Poppy. Like, this dude is a chameleon, man. Like, he, like one of the things that made I'm Ready sorry, to I'm Die... So- st-
1: I- I- I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt, but I'm interrupting. All those things you just ran down, what? Yeah, what, yeah see, what, but this what, is what, what I'm champagne saying. Champagne Papi. What?
2: If we go to Life After Death, one of the things that made Life After Death a groundbreaking album was the... There was something for everyone. I'm There sorry. were tracks that were going to appeal to the East Coast heads. There were tracks that were, you know, he teamed up with Bone and was hitting the Midwest. He had stuff going out to Cali. Like it was, and it was an album that thought far beyond the scope of New York, it, and it was appealing to different audiences.
1: Life after death was one CD too long. But the 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 theoretical
2: approach behind the album was we're going to put something out here for everybody. We're yeah, going mean, to bring an album that can appeal yeah. to different audiences. Right. And so when I'm talking about these different elements of Drake's hip hop persona, he has an international appeal. He appeals to different people. Listen to Drake for different reasons, but they're still listening to Drake. And that's the point. It's because of the
0: melodies. They listen to Drake because of the melodies. The melodies are what keeps Drake on the radio and it's a consistent play. And that's what rap music is today, it's like melodies. It's something that's chantable, something that gets stuck in your head. That's why the Migos is popular. That's why 95% of the mumble rappers from Future to even the little, the, the new young guys, Lil Uzi Vert and Lil Yachty and all these guys, they all make melodies. And so, and it part, and it's partially because of what Drake has started to do is making, you know, kind of like these repetitive melodic songs. So people like that. And he sticks around. I have never liked an entire Drake album ever.
1: Wow. I've right. never, I've never right. listened to an entire Drake album ever
0: because because after a while they they that's funny after a while they all start sounding the same to me mm-hmm. and it like it's in like his his vocal tones start start to agitate me i think he's a person that would benefit from making one of these like seven to ten song mm-hmm. albums mm-hmm. he makes 20
2: 24 songs i'm like i can't listen to that much drake no. like it'll kill me and i don't like i cherry pick I cherry pick. I listen to I listen to playlists. You know, I put together playlists for different purposes. If I'm in a gym or (laughs) a whack rapper playlist, I cherry pick.
1: (laughs) Well Um, I mean I I was first I remember Drake was on a sprite commercial and had a line that I thought was (laughs) clever. And I was like, Oh, huh, okay. And then I didn't think a thing about him, didn't hear anything of his until I caught back-to-back and I thought that was outstanding whether he wrote it or not I don't know either way it was outstanding but you don't get credit if you didn't write it in my book but that was great and then I didn't listen to anything of his I listened to that I saw the video where he's walking around handing out money and it's too much singing I can't just rap or sing Pick one shit. Fuck. So,
2: so I guess I guess you don't like the Far Side albums, then, and you ready to kick those out because there was too much singing.
1: But they were rhyming, and they were right. No, and, they, were sing, they, were singing, the they were singing. They were singing. They were in the hook. Nah, they were singing in the hooks. They weren't R and B crooning, they dude. Were, they were singing in the hook. The, hooks. They were the line
2: the you referenced was from two thousand nine. Okay, and in the time since. He's dominated the landscape of hip-hop.
1: I mean, commercially, yeah, he's a marketing genius. That has no... Uh, it's like going to the charts to say, this is the dopest MC because he sold X amount of records. I mean, that's not really a measure. If you're going to dominate that, that long,
2: it's success. more than a nifty marketing campaign. And is this it? is where I think I'm in agreement with Dre. I'm not doing a whole Drake album, but like if you look at the highlights, the highlights are noteworthy. If you pluck the best songs from those albums, yeah, they're noteworthy.
1: Okay, but w- they're noteworthy in in terms of you can find song if you go through all his catalog, you can pull out enough songs that you like to make a playlist that you like. I don't see what that has to do with him. Being uh, getting credit <clears throat> among us as an MC, that we're talking about him with the likes of Big Daddy Kane, Biggie, Heavy D. No, I'm talking Uman. about
2: him. I'm talking about a style. He's taking that style. He's the next person in line who's taking the style that they developed and is MCing in that tradition. You know, nobody's going to look at Kobe and say Kobe's better than Jordan, but you can see how he took Jordan's style. When you look at Jordan, Jordan was taking things from Dr. J. Yeah, consistently. Right. And you can see the moves like there are certain moves that there, there is there's no player in recent NBA history who had mannerisms that were as much like Jordan than Kobe Bryant. Not better than Jordan, but you can see where he borrowed from Jordan, right? And Jordan borrowed from Dr. J, and Dr. J borrowed from David Thompson, and so on and so forth, right? Like, people do that all the time. You look at LeBron in the evolution of LeBron's game. He's borrowed things from other players. And so just because someone's borrowing something and incorporating it into their style doesn't mean that they're the greatest who ever did it. It's simply an acknowledgment of the evolution of the form. Uh, Dr-
1: go ahead.
0: So, so what he's saying is Drake is, uh, is kind of taking the form of the like rapper ladies man. Yes. I care about you. I get, even though he doesn't. Because Drake makes very misogynistic records. Yes, he does.
2: Very misogynistic records. He wants you to be the good girl and stay at home while he's out in the street being washed. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he makes very... Like
0: even this new song, the people like the I'm upset song. James, you should listen to it because that would be something that you would hate.
1: Is he rapping or is he singing?
0: He's rapping. And you would hate it.
1: Then I'll take your word for it. And
0: you should but You should listen
2: to it so you can hate it.
1: <laughs> I, can.
2: I want you Kate to hate, hate listen to Drake. Drake gaslighting. Hey, Dre. <laughs> <laughs> gaslighting. I want to wow. listen to it. I want
0: you hate listen. Well, drinks, um, well, to hate listening. Well, drinks. I'm Let's talk about something.
2: This nothing but the and Follow me into the sun and let be free.
1: The Peace! 5000G!